0: Jim Leland, Hall of Famer. Wow, does that have a wonderful ring to it. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacovich of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. It became official last night in Nashville, Tennessee, At Major League Baseball's winter meetings, that the universally respected former manager of the Pirates, Marlins, Tigers would be enshrined permanently in Cooperstown. Now, I gotta tell you a couple of things here about the Leland induction. Kind of qualifier stuff before I get to the human stuff. Uh, I'm a voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I'm proud of that. I have nothing to do with this particular process. This is Veterans Committee, this is the sort of stuff that you'll see come up yearly, although on a rotating basis, where there are select groups of 16 panelists who will get together and determine if there's somebody that we, the writers, might have missed over a 10-year period, if there's someone from the distant past, and I mean distant past, like the 1800s or whatever, that might have been overlooked over the course of time, or in the special cases, uh, such as the Negro Leagues, and how they've been after the fact, obviously, integrated into baseball and everything that entails. They'll do this right around the beginning of the winter meetings, just like this. And of course, the actual winter meetings begin uh, in earnest today. So this process had absolutely nothing to do with the writers. Leland was never overlooked by the writers. Leland was, you know, no more than a minor league player. so Never would have come up, obviously, in that conversation. All right. Setting that aside, I have one other thing to get out of the way. And that is that... I'm of the opinion that there is another manager of the Pirates who's, and I say this with immense respect and everything else here, just getting it out of the way again, uh, who should be in, should have been in ahead of Leland, and that's the great Danny Murtaugh, who oversaw not only the 1960 and 1971 World Series champions in Pittsburgh, but also was the manager who wrote out the first all-black lineup Uh, now famously but at the time you know not something that was super celebrated you know so i think it's important to mention mr murtaugh because i believe that his candidacy which has some small legs and he's made it into certain veterans committee uh, selection processes he wasn't on this one But he has the opportunity, I believe, still to get in, obviously, many, many years after his passing. Now, as far as Leland goes, I could not be happier for the person. I could not be happier for the career path, the trajectory that he took from really, really modest minor league beginnings as a player. And then from there modest minor league beginnings as a manager, as a coach. When he was hired to take over in Pittsburgh, it was his first big league managing job. And he earned it the hard way, the hardest possible way. And when he was introduced to those of us who follow the team, The reaction was a universal, who? What? And we were kind of used to having our managers have these larger-than-life profiles because not only did Danny Murtaugh have one, but Chuck Tanner had one, too, coming right after him. And, of course, they had the championships to back that and everything else. But Leland came along, and all he did from the very beginning, and I've told the man himself this on more than one occasion, All he did from the very beginning was to be real. And if you ever want to make a positive impression in the city of Pittsburgh, be real. If you ever want to turn us off, and I'm talking about like this, be a phony. Be above us. Be outside us. Be someone from, let's say, just to pick on them, New England, who acts all, you know, snotty. (laughs) Not that everybody in that region is snotty, but someone from that region who is snotty, who comes and lives in Pittsburgh or works at Pittsburgh and just talks all the time about oh, how grand life is up there in New Hampshire or Massachusetts or Maine or wherever. Like, we don't care. (laughs) What do you have to offer us? What do you think about us? Leland believe it or not, is not a born-and-raised Pittsburgher. But he became one, and he became one in the truest sense. Not just in terms of the stuff that you're going to hear an awful lot of over the next couple of days about uh, what a beautiful, emotional, and genuine human being was, the way you would see him quite literally cry for his players. Uh, to back them up in a way that it's uncommon at any level of sport. But also, keeping this real here, the way he managed. You know, we still in Pittsburgh will reference, you know, how come Derek Shelton can't do this the way Leland did? We don't go back to Clint Hurdle, who, by the way, had a nice little run in Pittsburgh. Doesn't get anywhere near the credit for it that he deserves. I think, against some really steep odds, I should add, in terms of payroll, Bob Nutting, and all that other stuff, Uh, Clint remains the only guy who's won in that scenario. But we'll go past him, obviously, go past John Russell, go past Jim Tracy, whatever. You know, even Lloyd McClendon, you know, who lifted first base out of the ground. You know, Lloyd had his moments, but Lloyd... Lloyd was hosed right from the start with the Aramis-Ramirez trade, never really had a chance. We go back to Leland, it's what we do. We'll say, how come, you know, Derek Shelton can't throw food all over the place when he's upset about it? Why can't he do some of the stuff that Leland did? I brought it up in a casual conversation with Shelton. This was during an early September series up in Milwaukee and he was wearing a t-shirt that had Jim Leland's profile on it, and I loved that. Of course, I made a remark about it. He was telling me about some of his personal interactions with Leland because Leland is still in the Pittsburgh area, and Leland is still a regular at Pirates games. He's scouting for the Tigers, which I still find a little bit weird, but whatever. He's in Pittsburgh. He's working for Detroit. He's sitting in a in the seats that are behind home plate, fans are constantly going up to him through games and just saying, hey, Skip, what's going on? And he'll take time for everybody, but he'll also take time for Shelton and he'll talk baseball with him and he'll talk Pirates with him uh, without violating you know, what it is that he's there to do for the Tigers. And he made that impression on Sheldon. And Sheldon told me, he said, I understand what people loved and love about him. I don't have that personality. I'm not the food thrower. And Leland will tell you himself that he doesn't like that he's thought of for that stuff, that he doesn't like that he's thought of for the, the Barry Bonds tirade in Bradenton, which was captured on video. And to this day, he and Barry are, are best buds. And, and and love each other like brothers and see that whole scenario as something that actually helped Barry in his career. And this is that point in the program where I'll prove to you how much I respect Leland by not even getting into the Bond stuff the way that I usually do. He was a manager for Pittsburgh. He was a manager who brought the Pirates back at a time when we didn't realize that we necessarily needed them back teams back then were all around the same payroll and in fact the 1990 91 and 92 pirates little known fact all three of those division winners the last division winners the pirates have ever had had the highest payroll in the majors did you know that yeah he was a big part of bringing that eclectic group of talent together but more than anything for his career path just for his career path and the message that that sends to people playing baseball or managing baseball or just teaching baseball in some instructional form at all levels of this beautiful game that there's hope for you too because Jim Leland ended up in the hall of fame when we come back J1Q Today's J1Q comes from Lee, who gets right to the point and says, DK, are they even going to attend? And yes, Lee's referring to the winter meetings in Nashville. And yes, Lee, my understanding is that they're going to attend. In fact, they're already there, and you're going to hear from Ben Charrington today, later today, probably in the late afternoon, through any reporters that will be there covering it, including our own Alex Stumpf of DK Pittsburgh Sports. They'll be there and they'll participate in the Rule 5 draft and if there's any precedent to be called, I guess, from the past here, it's that Charrington has usually made a move at the winter meetings. A lot like his predecessor, Neil Huntington, he's not one of those gms who feels like uh, there's pressure on him to to do something while he's there on site but also like huntington he would get something there and i think at least in part because nobody wants the blowback meaning not just on the baseball side but also on the business side of the operation Uh, believe it or not they are mindful of things like this they know that there are a lot of eyes and ears on the winter meetings including from your own fans but especially you would think in a year where you've pretty much pronounced 2024 as a let's get serious about this kind of year my expectation out of these winter meetings and this is based on nothing other than what i just said which is precedent and having covered a bunch of these myself is that you will see the pirates emerge with a pitcher now if that's going to be your main hey here's the big starting pitcher everybody wanted or whether that's going to be somebody deeper down the chart i can't say because everything i'm offering here is it's partly a feel it's partly my own experience with it but it's also partly that they haven't done anything yet and that leads me to believe since I don't think for a second that Charrington's just been hiding under his desk for a couple of months at 115 federal that what's probably happened is that there have been discussions that would lead to more discussions that would lead to a uh, hey why don't we just talk about this next week when we're in Nashville Oh, okay let's do that let's get together At these meetings, in addition to certain things that happen uh, that are internal, meaning in some cases, you'll have the opportunity to treat it like a retreat of your own employees, you know, to get out of the house, but let's go ahead and talk business. It'll just be somewhere else. You'll also see, and, you know, this is something you're going to read and hear about if you follow this sort of thing closely all week long that the Padres and the Mets will have gotten together. Or, you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers and whoever could conceivably afford Shohei Ohtani will get together with Ohtani's representation and, you know, push things forward in a way that can really only happen with the still very important benefit of being in person. So there will be meetings. There will be things that you'll hear that will raise your antenna maybe more than it should be raised. I'm going to say again that I feel like there will be a pitcher who's added because you're kind of running out of clock here if you want to get the medium guys who are still in the equation. There aren't a ton of them there. And once you start seeing two or three or four of them, and there'll be at least that many snapped up in Nashville. You should, if you're the Pirates, and if you're serious, you should start feeling a little bit of heat. I appreciate the question, such as it was, I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates. And again, congratulations to Jim Leland, Hall of Famer. We'll do this again tomorrow.